Hello and welcome to the August edition of APQC's monthly research program manager interview. I'm Michael Sims, research specialist at APQC, and I'm talking to Holly Lycoglan, research program manager in the area of process and performance management. Today we're going to talk about change management for building a data-driven culture. So Holly, why is building a data-driven culture important to organizations? Oh, um, there's a lot of places we can go uh, along with this, but first I wanted to say uh, this is a topic that I think both Michael and I are extremely passionate about, and I hope this is something that all of you enjoy as well. Um, but that kind of leads into the idea of why is data-driven culture important. Um, there's a lot of different reasons that you can look at it. You can look at the trends that are going on and outside of the world, uh, the growing access to massive amounts of data, both internally and externally, uh, as well as, you know, a lot of the ways that our customers are changing and our business is changing. And all of that information has a vital role to play in, in kind of how we make decisions these days. Uh, but there's some other kind of more fundamental uh, reasons as well of why having a data-driven culture is so important. Um, really, I mean, you can go to the simplest ways, which is using data-driven decision-making helps deal with a lot of potential issues, a lot of cognitive biases um, that you see out there in the world as far as when people make decisions. You know, people make assumptions based on, on experiences that are kind of ingrained in their memory, or they go with kind of their gut feel. Um, by having data-driven decision-making, you're not getting rid of the expertise of your decision-makers, but what you're doing is giving them an objective foundation um, to help kind of support what they're looking at and what kind of decisions they're making. I know, Michael, you've got a lot to think on this one as well. So uh, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, uh, Holly, I've, I've been doing a, a lot of writing on this subject lately, and um, I, I definitely agree that uh, y using data over over your gut is uh, is the way to go. Just to, and uh, and I and I've written about um, the cognitive biases that 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 can make uh, intuition based decision making uh, or intuition alone based decision making uh, quite perilous. But um, the the other thing I'd like to add is uh, being data driven is is almost a requirement these days in a lot of industries because of the, the level of personalization that customers demand from organizations these days. So for example, um, well for example, Netflix. Uh, on Netflix, uh, if, if, you ha if you haven't used it before, Netflix is a movie streaming website and um, you have a set of personalized recommendations for movies that you can watch. And that set of personalized recommendations is based on data that you provide about yourself and also data that you um, data about your behavior, so which, which movies you watch, which movies you finish watching. And um, so that's, that's a ton of data that's being generated there. And without, uh, with, without an organization that is, able, that is uh, calibrated to handle that amount of data, um, you, you would never be able to, uh, to create the personalization that is now just a standard in that industry. So that, that's just an example of, of how being data-driven is not even just important, but it's just, it's just a requirement now. All right, so there's a lot of that customization for our customers. They want a personalized experience, but it takes so much time um, to be able to do that that you have to have the data as a foundation, and then that builds into a lot of your predictive analytics and the rest of that. Um, that's a great additional point on top of kind of the rest of it, which is giving the, the uh, kind of guardrails of information. Um, thank you. Sure. So this is... Um so this is a, a topic that we've been we've been uh, writing about just recently. 
how do you convince key stakeholders that building a data-driven culture is important? Obviously, we think it's important, but how do you how do you convince maybe skeptics in your organization that it's important? How do you how do you create and communicate the business case for it? Well, like I said, there's probably two really key factors, and you mentioned both of them in the question. Number one is there's got to be a communication and engagement factor, and the second part is that business case. But I mean, really, even when you get into the business case, you have to start with having conversations uh, with your decision makers, your leadership team. To not even not even just going into it, you can't go into it and say, "Look, we're going to talk about what are your data needs." But really, it's about having a conversation around what their objectives are, what their big initiatives are, what are their major pain points are, um, what is their strategy for what they're trying to do these days. And all of that then kind of gives you a roadmap of, of what this business or what these leaders are trying to accomplish and what are the frustrations they're having in accomplishing these goals. And from that point, you can start looking where those pain points are and look at ways that analytics or data can help make those decision points easier for them or make that initiative easier for them and their understanding. Um, I know, for example, some of the people that we've looked at and written research on lately, uh, so a lot of it has been like employee turnover rates have been a huge pain point for them. So what the teams then could understand was looking at how data and analytics would be able to help solve and identify the issues with why there's employee turnover rates. So in the, all that information that you collect from the leaders, you know, you build that roadmap, you understand what their pain points are. That all then feeds into kind of that business case you need. Um, the conversation is not just enough, but it's a great foundation uh, to get that information and also start the conversation with your leadership. But then you got to put it into that business case. Um, and really, I mean, there's three major components that all business cases should have. And the first one is the value. Um, so what is it that we're going to get out of it? Uh, for example, say the major pain points for the organization was looking at turnover rates. So what you could then do is look at the potential value of the fact that you'll be able to potentially reduce turnover rates by understanding what the pain points are. Um, then the next part is kind of what are the costs? What is, what is it going to take for us to be able to launch this program? And again, depending on the scale within the organization, that can vary widely. And the last thing that you really have to then include is kind of that risk. So what are the risks of a doing data-driven decision-making? What are the potential issues? But also, uh, one thing that a lot of people tend to overlook in their business cases, which is also, what are the risks of us not doing this? What are the risks of us continuing to do the business as we've always done it? Um, and then really, uh, additional things that can feed into there. People look for success stories. So any examples um, that you can see that other people have done it use successfully, especially if they've got kind of a hard ROI behind it, uh, or value proposition, including those examples, to show, you know, that way leadership can see themselves in that situation and it becomes a little bit more personal. Uh, Michael, do you think we, there's anything else that from the, some of the work that we've done that we should also include for convincing key stakeholders? Well, um, I, th I think I think you just covered it pretty well. Uh, I think it's I think it's important when you're building the business case to start broad and ex explain that this is not a uh, a one-off uh, one-off sort of um, request and that this is a, this is a broad phenomenon now. Um, and then another is is uh, like you were saying it's it's a it's a it's a it's a sales job in a lot of ways. So you have to put on your salesperson hat, and it's a it's a consultative selling job. So you have to 
like we were saying, understand the understand your audience's pain points and make sure you address those systematically in your business case. And I think that's how to make it most persuasive. And it's also going to guide the activity of becoming data driven. The more you understand about what your company needs, the more you can focus your your efforts in the right areas that are going to make the biggest difference. And I think there's one last thing we probably should add on this. This is not a one-time engagement with stakeholders. Um, just because you have those initial conversations and you build that business case, um, that's not going to really address a lot of the issues or, or keep that. You have to have cyclical conversations uh, with your, your stakeholders. Um, and those first pain points, you can then have another conversation with them building out either in the business case or in the scope of the program showing how the plan is to address their pain points. Um, and then work with them back and forth as you're doing the analytics program. So, you know, this is what we found so far, get their insights, keep them engaged, show the results. Um, and then again, just having those conversations over and over and over again. Yeah, definitely. It's a it's a it's an ongoing process to uh, to keep the communication lines open. So we've we've talked about setting the stage for for the change to a data driven culture. So what are the change management aspects of actually implementing and creating the data driven culture? Um, there's a whole wide variety of change management aspects um, that people have to consider. Uh, I mean, there's some of the more uh, mechanical aspects, which is making sure you have the right resources, making sure you have a clear project plan, figuring out what your end state is before you get started. Here's where we're going to go, and here's how we're going to get there. Um, but then you also have the other side, which is a lot more of the fuzzy side, uh, because any kind of change is people-focused, right? Uh, anytime we're shifting the culture or, or making a new way of how people are going to do things, we need to change their behaviors. We need to change the cultural norms of the organization. And that requires a lot of communication, engagement um, factors, as well as you know, developing buy-in throughout the organization. Um, there's a lot of different tactics people use. I think one of the keys is to use a mixed bag. Um, you can't have a one-style-fits-all communication approach or engagement approach uh, because different people make decisions differently. Different people at different levels of the organization are going to need different types of interaction and buy-in. Um, but trying to create that broad approach is incredibly important. Um, a lot of the times we recommend uh, making sure that you mix your engagement and your communication models. Uh, use a structured communication plan. Uh, mapped out to kind of what effect you're trying to get from the individuals at that time. Is it awareness? Is it adoption? Um, uh, to also their role in the change as well. So it winds up getting a little complex at that point in time, but for that widespread change, it's really necessary. Uh, another key change management aspect is, like I said, the engagement factor. You kind of start it there at the beginning when you're doing that early stakeholder engagement. Um, but we also see that building in kind of that engagement into your processes is also very, very important. Um, for example, for your analytics projects, uh, one of the things that's most beneficial is because you're trying to solve stakeholders and problems, uh, co-developing the programs with them, finding out, drilling into what questions they want to answer, talking them through how analytics can solve those problems, and, and going back and forth until any of your analytics predictive models actually hit the answers of what they want to do. And I think the last major thing is identifying um, success measures. So 
that's part of the reason the pain points and looking at those initiatives and that business case is to figure out how are you going to measure success and making sure those success measures are important to the decision makers you're supporting. Um, a lot of times organizations look kind of at a wide array of measures. You can look at um, how the performance of the analytics program is doing. So that includes anything from like utilization to how close the models fit, but also trying to then look at the business results from the analytics projects as well and tying them as closely as you can to the things that the organization cares about. Uh, is it going to improve revenue? Is it going to reduce turnover rates? Is it going to improve cycle time? Uh, and making sure to kind of integrate some of those into your measures. So um, what, what I'd like to add to that is I think that um, what, what you've just described, and you can, uh, you're can you welcome to disagree with me if you'd like, um, what you've just described is the, the outline for managing any sort of transformational change. Um, I, I think if, if, if you try to search the web for um, change management for building a data-driven culture, the results may be somewhat limited. But if you just search change management principles in general for any sort of transformational change, I think the, uh, I think the, the underlying um, tactics would be very much the same. Do you, do you agree with that? I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, change is change regardless of what type of change it is. Um, you know, like I talked to a minute ago, change is about changing how people behave, changing their norms. And, and whether that norm is creating widgets or that norm is having a collaborative culture or, or using data, you're still going through a lot of the same steps. And that's why when you look at most change models, they're not aimed at a specific type of program or initiative, you know, uh, whether you're looking at Cotter, whether you're looking at Proce, all of them are kind of the same kind of steps you should take regardless of what kind of change you're trying to enact. So excellent point, Michael. Oh, thanks very much, Holly. I, I really enjoyed talking to you about this. Uh, to our audience, if you'd like to learn more about this, uh, we've, we've got plenty of material being generated every week about building a data-driven culture. And if you're specifically interested in the change management aspects, please please search the uh, APQC knowledge base for our, our wealth of information about transformational change. And that's it for this month's uh, Program Manager podcast. We'll see you next month.